You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Ask the Expert segment for September 2018. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is Ned Naylor Leyland. Many of you in the gold community uh, know Ned. He is a portfolio manager of the Old Mutual Gold and Silver Fund, which actually soon to be renamed the Marion Global Investors Gold and Silver Fund. He is, um, uh, like I said, a money manager and a great advocate uh, for precious metals and gold and silver specifically. It's great to get a chance to visit with him again and ask him some questions. So, Ned, thank you for taking a few minutes to join us. Not at all. It's my pleasure, Craig. It's always, always, always fun. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, and before we get started, just so everyone knows, uh, we've got a couple of specials going on uh, at Sprott Money this month. One, uh, we've just recently picked up the most popular uh, Queen Beast series from the Royal Mint called the Falcon of the Plantagenets. I, I got to tell you, nobody told me how to pronounce that one, but I suppose if it's so popular, Ned, people probably know what I'm talking about. It's 4.9 gold. This coin is also available in two-ounce silver coins, and you can pre-order these Falcons at Sprott Money. But our team is also always going to be available at 888-861-0775. You can visit with us online using a live chat, and you can also email us, sales at SprottMoney.com. So again, remember, Sprott Money always has tremendous deals, uh, not only in bullion, but also in storage, and we encourage you to check it out. Uh, Ned, uh, we announced that you were going to be our guest, and uh, we had a number of questions get sent in, not only from Sprott Money customers, but from people across the interwebs. You're a very popular guy. I've got seven questions for you. Uh, if you're ready, may I lay number one on you? You, you, you can definitely do that. Before you do that, um, I'm not an expert in much, but it's Plantagenets. Oh, I should have had you do the promo, Ned. That's perfect. Plantagenets. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I, I believe so. I believe so. But yeah, go on. Hit me with number one. All right. You got it. All right, Ned. Uh, let's start right with this. And it, this first question deals with the commitment of traders report where uh, for it seems like the last decade plus, the speculators have been net long and the commercials have been net short. But the question is, there's been a lot of talk recently about that commercial and speculator positioning on the commitment of traders report with now the commercials being net long and the speculators being net short. What is your opinion on these developments, Ned? Well, look, uh, you know, again, as I said earlier, I'm not, I'm not very keen on being called an expert on anything, but this wouldn't be something I'd be an expert on. And I think arguably you, you are one. But my, my observation might be a bit more general. Um, bearing in mind that I'm, you know, I'm structurally long gold, silver, and gold and silver mining exits all the time. So the 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 underbelly of the the futures market isn't necessarily really something I pay so much attention to, except to understand sort of flow of capital, I suppose. But my my main observation would be not only is the obvious one, which is clearly this is an ex, sort of extreme level um, on a historic basis, which uh, you know I know. Most people listening to this will be aware of anyway. But I think it would be more to do with the, the interwoven nature of, of futures market positioning. As I see it, um, and again, maybe you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, um, really all the speculative money is in the same trades. Um, and those are long dollars, short gold, short silver, long equities, short bonds. Broadly, you know, everybody's mm -hmm. in the same trade. And indeed, that would be confirmed by, funny enough, by the 
by the long only positioning of the institutional investors that I speak to all the time. So they they aren't doing that in futures, but they are also in this broadly in these same positions. Um, now, what that says to me is that, you know, that can carry on longer. I'm not predicting it was going to turn around the next three weeks. But, you know, it, it, we've reached a point where it's not going to take much in terms of momentum change. And I think that the the shift will be quite sort of powerful um, because all of these trades are going to f- sort of feed in on, on each other. Um, I don't know whether that sort of chimes with how you're seeing it, but I think that, that really that's the point. And that's also, by the way, why I think that whether it's an index or a fund of gold mining stocks, the likes of which you know we manage, um, actually represents a good geared way for um, a portfolio to be exposed to trend reversal. Because obviously, you know, the, the mining equities are going to do more than the underlying by usually by quite a substantial degree, and people have a problem with correlation and and and, and positioning. Um, so actually, I, you know, I see where we are as being quite exciting. I think it, it won't take much in terms of a shift in momentum, but it of course, go on a little longer. And another reason why that might happen, um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, but you know, as I understand it, um, margin requirements uh, depend on vol, volatility. So in other words, one of the reasons why there's so much general open interest and, and involvement of speculating futures is because number one it, it seems to be a home run bet in all of these trades but number two because margin requirements are low so i think that you know you've got a lot of herding and a lot of concentration and a lot of the same trades all interwoven into each other and i think that when they turn gold and silver will clearly be one of the beneficiaries of that but i should think it'll be a broader move rather than um just the gold and silver positioning Yep, that makes a lot of sense, my friend, and that it's always wise to look across all markets, no doubt about that. I do think that's an excellent segue uh, to the second question, though, Ned. You know, uh, prices have been pressured. I mean, this has just been no fun at all for the last four or five months, where it seems like it's just been a straight 45-degree down angle in both gold and silver. But the second question has to do with the most recent kind of sell-off that almost looked like capitulation back in uh, the middle part uh, to late part of August. Uh, the Turks were selling gold uh, in a way to, to, I guess, as a way of defending the, their currency, at least the Turkish Central Bank. And then it seemed like the mine, there was a lot of mining share pressure due to some ETFs that were closing. Uh, do you think that those were the key, drive, uh, key drivers back then, uh, that you know, there was some front-running being done as well, you know, knowing that there was this emerging market uh, I guess, selling of gold that was taking place? Um, I'm not sure that I would say that, that that would be my 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 estimation of what took place. I'm not saying those things don't mean anything. I'm sure they probably do. But I think that um, so I, you you will know I have a fairly unsophisticated and kind of um, consistent view for for a while now about what really what really moves the price, um, and it's a little different than what most people attribute the sort of price movement to. And really, it's it's an opportunity cost cash decision between dollars and gold. Now, I, I want to be very clear here. I don't mean that they're inversely correlated. And you may have heard me talk about this in mm-hmm. other venues. I don't. There is no inverse correlation between dollars and gold because the gold price is the relationship between dollars and gold. However, unfortunately, what I said is too sophisticated for most traders, so they still put the trade on. 
So what happens is I think, you know, you get these points where people just become totally fixated on this concept of long DXY and short dollar gold. Um, and it's all driven by uh, this, this opportunity cost uh, feeling in the cash market, the bond market, the money market. Now, as a result, what I'm really talking about are real interest rates. And I think that the, the central banks, the Fed primarily, of course, done a really fantastic job, as in for themselves, of managing the market's um, uh, expectation of future rate hikes. I think all of us have been expecting that to sort of back off a bit for a while now, and it hasn't happened. Um, whether there was just a thinner market condition, I, I tend to think basically thinner market conditions and a further accentuation of that trade, long yeah. dollars, short dollar gold, was really what probably caused that move. But having said that, there is one other thing, which is I did, I had been saying in the six months before that happened, that the long-term moving average um, signals that I look at had said that a decent move was coming over the summer. And as you can imagine, I expected it to be the other way. Uh, but it did happen, and it happened, you know, in a direction that those of us that are um, invested in the sector weren't overly happy with. But I, I, I wouldn't say that that, that angle about um, Turkish selling or positioning mine is probably what drove the move. Ned, that leads us to question number three then, uh, and this kind of gets right into your expertise as a um, uh, in the mining shares. You know, there's a lot of talk recently and a lot of excitement about these discoveries that are coming out of the Pilbara region of, of uh, Western Australia, these gold nuggets and the fields of gold nuggets, that kind of stuff. Uh, mainly this question is, what do you think of it? I mean, is that a, a viable mining jurisdiction going forward? Yeah, it's, it's a, a good question. Um, look, I think that, that there's certainly an emerging district in that part of Australia. Interestingly, there seem to be about three or four new districts for gold mining that, that we've observed appearing over the last year and a half, two years, and that's one of them. Um, the geological structures are quite different there than, than the other ones that we're looking at. Um, I think the problem with that, and for what it's worth, we're not, we're not directly or certainly not through the smaller companies invested in, the, in, in that part of the world. Um, but I think the difficulty here is more to do with how you wrap evaluation around um, a mining company mining that kind of um, uh, ore body. And, and, you know, in the old days, you would have just gone into production with private capital and you'd have made a lot of money out of it. But it isn't, it isn't simple at all to... Um, make the street happy and to project on a sort of sensible DCF basis how these things are going to make money um, in the current markets. So look, I think that I may well be proven wrong about that. Um, maybe it'll get so exciting that, that people won't care and they'll all sort of just hell money at it. But I think it's, it's a difficult place to convince institutional investors like us that there is a really good long-term um, value play in those in those stocks that we're, you're sort of inferring and we're talking about. Um, but of course, that's not to say it's not very interesting. Of course, it is, and it, it is very exciting. And actually, Australia, you know, makes up a big proportion of our portfolio. It just doesn't really include that that bit, um, as it were. Got it. All right, Ned. Question number four uh, is something that uh, when I write for Sprott Money, I've been making a big deal out of. I know my colleague David Brady, who also writes for Sprott Money, 
He's been writing about this as well, and that is what has lately been an almost uh, tick-for-tick trade of uh, COMEX gold with the Chinese yuan uh, U.S. dollar exchange rate. It's been particularly prevalent since about the middle part of June. You mentioned the dollar index, Ned, lately. You know, the dollar index was at 95 back at late May, and gold was at 13.10. The dollar index still at 95, and gold's at 12.10. So something is going on there. Um, on this uh, Chinese yuan peg, if you will, do you see that too? And uh, if so, why do you think this is occurring? Um, so look, I'm, I'm certainly observing it with interest. And, and you and I have been talking about how the Chinese will internationalize their currency and the role of gold in it and all of this for a long time. I'm probably not as, I'm, I'm not as keen on the narrative as maybe you two are more because I get nervous about correlation versus causation, and I don't know really which way round that observation is. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. to say the observation isn't meaningful, um, but obviously you and I have talked about dollar-yen before. Um, I also know there's incredible correlation in lots and lots and lots of things, um, really you know, eye-watering to an eye-watering degree. Right. It's a bit difficult to pick apart whether or not this is real or it isn't. Now, of course... On a certain level, in light of trade wars, and in, and actually potentially supporting this argument more than anything is the change in rhetoric at political level. Um, part of me makes thinks that maybe this is what's happening because what I can say is over the last three months or four months, the the change in in language, uh, political leaders in Eurasia, so Europe all the way through to China, is absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, they're now really. All of them are talking about settlement currencies and dollars and gold. Yep. Um, so, you know, if that's really close to something happening, then it would be possible that, that this relationship is really, really there. But I just, I just worry a bit because, you know, there's, there's all this delta hedging that goes on in the banks, um, which is to, to, to say that, you know, bank risk departments don't really mind what what you're using to prove that your book is um, matched or hedged. And, and we've seen these kinds of relationships before, so I just don't know. But I'm, of course, like everybody else, watching it with great interest and paying attention to it. And I certainly do think that, that China and, and, and demonstrably, in fact, India and Iran and Russia are now doing oil for gold. I mean, that is happening. I don't think there's actually any doubt about this now. Um, but I don't, I don't know about that specific correlation and its meaning to a degree where I feel really confident making predictions about it. Got it. Well, I'll tell you what, that, I think that's an excellent segue uh, to question number five. And it gets to that dollar reserve currency status that, uh, that you just mentioned a second ago. You know, Jim Rickards has written a number of books where he speculates that the uh, SDR, that basket of currencies that's put together by the IMF, will be the next global reserve currency, perhaps emerging uh, in the next financial crisis. Do you foresee, if that's the case, let's put it that way, do you foresee a role for gold in that basket? Well, I, I, don't, think, I don't think they could possibly do it without gold in, in, in that basket. So not, not to answer your question in... In one sentence, which of course I don't think is the idea of us doing the call, but you know I think if if, if we do get that as global money imposed from above by our our, our wonderful owners, 
um, then sure, I, I think it has to be there to deliver the kind of discipline that gold uh, performed between the end of World War II and 1971. I, I think that's that's a certainty. Whether or not that's actually the way things are going to roll out, I think is a slightly more apposite question. I think that people accepting such an arrangement would require um, a greater disruption between times than yeah. other alternatives, if you follow what I'm saying. Yes. So, I, I, look, I think that in a way that's an extremely bad sort of setup. I, I, I would rather see what appears to be emerging already, which is a sort of... Um, I made this analogy a few times. Normally, people don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll run with it, and hopefully you'll know what I'm talking about. I see what's happening at the moment in, in, in Asia with the Indians uh, buying gold from Iran and paying in, in, in uh, sorry buying oil from Iran and paying in gold, and the Russian-Chinese arrangement and the, this idea of gold settling trade. I see that as being a bit like, like the um, the scene in in Beverly Hills Cop when Eddie Murphy sticks his fingers in his ears and goes la 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 la, mm. la I'm not listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a much more politically palatable. So I'm, 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 you know, I kind of would, would like that to be where we go. Will it end up with what Jim Rickard said? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't particularly like that arrangement myself. Um, but I don't think the special drawing rights could possibly work without some discipline in the middle of it. Got it. All right. Just two questions to go, my friend. Question number six. Uh, has to do again. This is right in your wheelhouse, I suppose. If you, yeah, I remember back in December of 2015, actually the entire autumn of 2015, it seemed as if the paper price found what appeared to be a physical floor. We got down to the all-in sustaining cost of the miners, and it seemed like price wasn't going to go much lower. Um, is it possible for paper prices, uh, or just prices in general, however you want to phrase it, to remain below? the average all-in sustaining costs of mining companies uh, for an extended period of time? Well, I think, the, I think you know the answer to that is yes. <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. Um, on lots of levels, the answer is yes to that. Um, the most important reason being that, you know, mining companies very rarely have consistent um, grade ore bodies. So, you know, one person's... Um, all-in cost can be another person's um, below all-in cost and indeed within a mine. So I don't think it just doesn't work like that. But what I would would say about the floor, which is sort of, I think, a more interesting thing to to discuss, is is I don't really, because I'm most interested in real interest rate, I think that because of full guidance, there's a floor. So I don't think it's got anything to do with all-in sustaining costs or anything to do with mining whatsoever, because of course gold is priced in cash markets and not in the physical market. Um, I think that the forward guidance is the flaw. What I mean by that is, even today, you're pricing informal hikes, and obviously one one is coming imminently, um, and benign inflation. Now, unless we get, let's say, six hikes and benign or even lower inflation, what the Fed's done really is create. I mean, there's a there's a there's a band there. I'm not saying it's a sort of ten dollar you know, um, spread of a flaw, but there is pretty much a flaw. And actually, if you look at uh, dollar gold versus dollar forward-looking real interest rates over five years, you'll see that there is a very clear band flaw between those two items. So I think actually the flaw is created by success of forward guidance, but also the inability of forward guidance to be more hawkish, really, than it already is. Um, I don't know if that made any sense. 
I mean, it did to me, but sure. for me, that's the flaw, not, not nothing to do with mining. Got it. All right, we've reached the end, and we have one last question for you, Ned, and definitely appreciate your time and your, and your expertise in answering all of these. The last one has to do uh, with the cryptocurrency market, not, 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 not so much Bitcoin and Ethereum and the like, but the, the, the new gold-backed cryptocurrencies that have been out, even uh, Sprott US uh, and Rick Rule have, have uh, brought one out in the last several months. Uh, do you think that these gold-backed cryptocurrencies can ultimately have any impact on changing the current pricing system? Um, no, I don't. Um, and the reason I don't is because I think that, you know, gold, gold spot gold, which is, of course, you know, really what we're talking about here, is available in so many different forms already um, that while there may be more utility, more security, etc., and owning it that way, um, I think that gold and crypto, if, if it ends up happening in that way, will be delivered from from above, and it won't be a solution from below. Mm. So no, I don't I don't see it that way round. I, I think it's an interesting subject. I'm supportive of all, you know all endeavours in that direction, but I don't see any any change happening bottom up. I think if we if every chance will be delivered some kind of gold token uh, using blockchain or distributed ledger powers that be, whether it's this special drawing rights system or whatever. But I don't see that as being disruptive for prices. No. Fair enough. Now, before I let you go, Ned, and, and before everyone else signs off, just a reminder, the Sprott Money 2018 Autumn Catalog is now out, and it is always full of good deals. You can find it at SprottMoney.com, and one of the things you'll find there is that the Royal Mint has released for the first time some bullion bars. The new Britannia gold bars and silver bars are crafted on 4.9 gold and 3.9 silver, and have a new Britannia design. Of course, you can always visit us at Sprott Money to check out the catalog. It's all at SprottMoney.com. And you can also call us at 888-861-0775. Ned, uh, thank you very much for your time. Again, we've been speaking with Ned Naylor Leyland. He's a portfolio manager of the old Mutual Gold and Silver Fund and a, uh, a, a strong, hearty advocate for precious metal and uh, physical precious metal ownership. Ned, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. That would be silly crazy. That's a good pleasure, and um, we'll do it again soon. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next month. <laughs>